Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. I know, really, there's only about nine minutes left in the morning time, so maybe I should just say, maybe I should just forget the time, but I'm not. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It is Saturday. April the 29th, 2023. It is currently 11.51 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. I guess technically it's 11.50 a.m., so I guess it's 10 minutes left in the morning time here in West Texas, and then it will be noon, and then, well, you know, then we go to the afternoon. I know you don't really care about the time. It's probably irrelevant to you, but I always love to give the time because if I ever go back and listen to any of the broadcasts, or if anyone discovers any of the old broadcasts, they have that time stamp. It places a historical context to it, right? If I if I make a reference to something, they know, oh, that's because it was recorded at 11.50 a.m. on April the 29th, 2023. That's, that's why he's making reference to that or whatever the case may be. So I just like giving the time reference, but it does add context, Context is important, right? Context is important to so many things. It's important to conversation, right? If I say something, but you don't have the context to it, you may misinterpret what I'm saying, right? Context is important, obviously, to Bible study. We talk about that all the time, right? What are the three key hermeneutical principles that you must never forget? Context, context, Context. Okay. I know that's kind of a cliche, but it's very important. Context, context, context. Now you would hope, you would hope that in, that in, in reality, not theoretically, but in reality, that if you could get all Christians checking context, that we would come to pretty much the same understanding of every passage. But the sad part is, is everyone says context, context, context. But for some weird reason, everyone looking at context doesn't lead to anything close to agreement on how to interpret a passage. That's, that's gotta be maddening a little bit. That, that, so I wonder why. That, that's a good question here. As we get started, welcome everyone. This is another episode of the Bible Study Exercise Podcast Series, which designs, which is designed to get you up off the couch to a table with a Bible, some reference tools, some pencils, some notebooks, and study the Bible on your own. And we are in the middle of a seven-week study on the subject of temptation. We've looked at a, a James chapter 1, Deuteronomy chapter 8, Matthew chapter 4. All of this week has been Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 4. Obviously, you have curriculum to look at if you're participating in that way. If you would like the curriculum, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I send you a link. You sign up. You email me back saying, hey, here's the name I'm using. I assign all of the curriculum to you, and then it's yours every single week. Um, And uh, hopefully, if you are using the curriculum and you find it to be beneficial and you find it to be useful. Please let us know. Let me know you're using the curriculum, please. We are, we pay money for it, okay? You you can just take it for granted. You can just like, "Well, yeah, I use the curriculum." Remember, we pay money to provide that for you. So we like to know you're using it. We like to know it's beneficial in some way shape or form. Um and just remember if you sign up for it, 
You're taking a spot, right? So, and they've just increased the, the uh, amount of money we have to pay each month to be able to provide that. So, you know, we want, we want to make sure that it's being utilized. If people aren't using it, hey, that's okay. No offense. Just say, hey, I'm not using it anymore. You can delete me. You know, I don't like it. Well, you, you can be super critical or you can just say, hey, I don't, I'm not using it and we can remove you. But I say all of that, that we've been studying temptation, and we've been studying passages of Scripture on the subject. Now, let me go back. Wouldn't it be great that whatever subject we're studying, temptation, whatever, whatever text of Scripture we're studying, that you could get a hundred people and say, context, 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 and they're like, yes, I will look at the context. At the end of them looking at the context, at the end of them look, doing their study, we would all come to very similar conclusions or almost the exact same conclusion. Wouldn't that be wonderful? The reality is, no. People have been looking at context, context, context for 2,000 years. Christians still don't agree on baptism. We don't even agree on the meaning of the word. Repentance, 2,000 years. Still, nobody agrees on the meaning of the word. I could go on and on and on and on. Why is that? So does context really help? I, this is kind of a question here. Bible study exercise, I love to present questions about Bible study. So I would really like, and I would challenge all of you who do participate in the Bible studies. I would really challenge you. I would love for you to come up with three reasons why you think people who are actually looking at context come to radically different opinions. What is the cause that context doesn't always clarify? In many cases, it confuses and it confounds and it just leads to conflict. Well, why do you think context doesn't always simply clarify? Why it doesn't always unite? Why does it seem to confuse, to confound, and just simply leads to more conflict? I mean, it should be simple. Oh, you disagree? I disagree? Well, let's look at context. If you've been paying attention to the all of our podcast episodes, we've kind of started a series on the Song of Solomon because there was obviously a massive difference of opinion on how to interpret the Song of Solomon. Well, if we look at context, should that not help us? Well, clearly it doesn't. So why is it? What happens? We really need to identify that, right? So if, if I know we're studying temptation, but it would be great that in the midst of this study that we can really address this very important question in regards to Bible study and Bible interpretation. Why is it that you can get a hundred, fifty, say 10 people, context, 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 context. They go look at the context and they come back with 20 different in- interpretations and that they, it leads to more confusion more, more, it, it, it just leads to, to more conflict. Why is that? Well, why do you think? What happens? Because clearly just checking context doesn't, doesn't fix everything. I wonder why. I, I would love to get your thoughts. I would love to get your thoughts on that. Email me your thoughts. I'm not going to say it's it's a homework assignment, but it's a homework assignment, okay? I, I won't say it's for extra credit, but I know this, if you don't do it, you fail. Okay, no, okay, maybe maybe I shouldn't say that. But no, I, whatever I have to do, if I have to drive to your house, knock on the door and say, hey, I'm here for your homework assignment. I need three reasons, conf- I, I need three reasons why context only seems to confound, confuse, and lead to conflict. Why do you think that? 
And I know you'd be like, would you please leave my house? And I'm like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in. I'm, I'm, I just go sit down on the couch and the kids would be like, who's the strange man here? Well, he's here for my homework assignment and I'm not doing it, but he says he's not leaving. Okay. I know. Okay. So yeah, I, I don't want to have to do that, but I want, I would love to get some feedback on this because sometimes I mean, one of the reasons I, one of the reasons I'm even bringing this up is right before I went live on the air, right before I went live on the air. I mean, literally right before I went on live on the air. Let me see if I can find it now. Anyway, right before I went live on the air, I was reading an article from Zondervan Academic, right? They have online courses, they have books and, 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 and they have, uh, instructor resources, they have all kinds of stuff, right? So they were talking about, hey, if you're going to understand the Bible, you have to have context. And they went through, consider the historical context, consider the cultural context, consider the literary context, uh, look down at the close context, look back at the continuing context, look ahead at the complete context, right? And so context, context, context. Now, um, I, I may use this article. In fact, I need to save it to my notes right now. I'm going to use this article at some point, and it comes from a book um, on like uh, hermeneutical principles and how to understand scripture. And uh, but I was looking at that, and I'm like, well, that sounds so wonderful. I mean, I've heard that in Bible college, Bible institute, seminary. I've heard that my whole life. Context, 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 and that that fixes everything. But the problem is, it doesn't. I mean, if it did, there would be agreement with ever. Hey, hey, Christians, is context important in understanding the scripture? Amen. Right there. Everybody says amen. In fact, if you ask a bunch of people, they will all, they will all do, let's see, they will all do this. They will all do this. They will all cheer. They will all agree. They will all say amen. I don't have people saying amen, but they will all be like, yes, context. That's how we understand the Bible. And then as soon as they argue with someone, they'll be like, you just don't understand the context. Have you ever been told that? I've been told that. I've been told that. Presbyterians, you just don't understand context. If you know how to read your Bible, you would know that we're supposed to be baptizing babies. And then people who don't baptize babies, if you just understood context, you would understand you're not supposed to be baptizing babies. Arminian, if you understood context, you wouldn't believe in Calvinism. Calvinist, if you understood context, you'd believe in Calvinism. <laughs> if you believe you can lose your salvation, if you understood context, I mean, like everyone says it, but clearly it doesn't lead to unity and clarity. It seems to lead to people being confounded, confusion and conflict. So why? So in the midst of our Bible study exercise on temptation, I want you to just come up with three reasons three, three, and I want you to write them out and I want you to send them to me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I should already have 15 emails. I should already have 15 emails. Newsif at yahoo.com. I should bring the phone up here and give out the phone number. We can do it like a, you know, a, a telethon. I'd be like, I need, I need, I need 10 callers right now and give them and then listen to the phone and open, you know, li, uh, answer the phone and go, yes, give me your three reasons. Give me your three reasons. Now, I don't know if we will, there won't even be agreement on the three reasons why the study of context seems to just lead to people being confounded, confused. And leading to conflict. I, I, I think I, I, that's, to me, that's fascinating. 
It's supposed to be the principle to fix everything. But I, I would I would love to get your thoughts. I would love to get your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. I almost want to stop right there, but we're not because I do have another important question for you. All right. I'm going to open this up. I'm opening up my iPad. And right next to that article on context, I have the curriculum for this week right here in front of me. Session three, Deuteronomy 6, Matthew 4. It is entitled, The Temptation to Test God. Underneath that, we have the point. We can trust God without putting him to the test. All right, that's interesting. The passage, Deuteronomy 6, 16 through 25, and Matthew 4, 5 through 7. All right. The Bible meets life. I'm going to skip that. And then the curriculum. This is the way they approach it. And 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 I, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. I haven't had a chance to turn on the microphone. But hopefully you've all been working on Deuteronomy 6 and Matthew 4. Remember, the Bible study exercise. Sometimes I get emails like, well, you know, when are you going to do another broadcast? When are you gonna? Remember, sometimes my job is to hand you what you're supposed to be studying. You're supposed to be studying. Now, you can be emailing me 24-7, your questions, your struggles, your thoughts, and then I got no problem turning on the microphone a hundred times answering those questions. But if, it, if I'm kind of met with a resounding silence, I just assume everyone is digging in, studying, and you don't need my help. You don't need my assistance. I've already done my part. Now, tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church, the goal is Deuteronomy 6 and Matthew chapter 4. That is the goal. That's what we will be working on. But something very interesting, the way the curriculum approached it. Now, if you remember the curriculum from last week, they, they kind of took one order, and this week they reversed the order. You may not have noticed it, but there's an order change. Let me explain. If you look at the curriculum, the first scripture they start with is not Deuteronomy 6. They start in Matthew 4. They go Matthew 4, 5 through 7, Right? They, they talk about Matthew 4, 5 through 7. Then they go to Deuteronomy 6. Last week, they started in Deuteronomy 8 and then went to Matthew 4. This week, they start in Matthew and go to Deuteronomy. Now, here's a very, 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 very important question. Whenever you're in the New Testament and they make a reference to, they, qu they quote any any reference in any way, shape, or form, whether directly, whether simply implied, they make some kind of reference to an Old Testament passage. Here's a very important hermeneutical question. What do you do? Do you stay there in the New Testament and study that passage, looking at its context, looking at everything, then go to the Old Testament passage? Or do you immediately slam on the brakes? Right? You slam on the brakes? And go, no, 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 no. Forget this. Forget Matthew 4. Forget 1 Corinthians. Forget Acts. Forget wherever I am. Forget Romans. Let's go immediately to the Old Testament. And then you study that passage in its literary and historical context. Once you've understood the passage in its literary and historical context, then you go to the New Testament. Do you start with the New Testament, then go to the Old, or do you just immediately go to the Old, then come back to the New? What, what is your standard practice? 
you're reading Matthew 4 and you're like, ooh, they're making references to the Old Testament. Do you just kind of flip over there, read the Old Testament scripture and then jump immediately back? Or do you stop and go, no, 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 guys, no, guys. I know we're going, say, let's say you're going through verse by verse through Romans or what. We're going to stop. We're going to go study. Now we're going to spend an entire sermon just because even in your church, if they're studying the New Testament and the, and you're studying a passage where they reference the Old Testament, do they simply flip over there, read and mention it briefly, and then go back to the New Testament passage? Or do they say, stop? This week, we will simply study the Old Testament passage and not even reference the New Testament. We're just going to study the Old Testament passage in its literary and historical context to find out what they were saying, to whom they were saying it, when they were saying it, and what it meant in that context. Then next week, we will go back to the New Testament and see how they handled it or used that Old Testament scripture. Now, remember, New Testament writers use the Old Testament in a very, many different ways. If you go to our series on the book of Romans, we spent, I don't know, I think almost seven, to maybe seven, eight weeks looking at how New Testament writers used Old Testament citations. And, and there's not even agreement on how they always use it. So that, that's just a whole nother hermeneutical issue. Maybe we'll have to go back and revert back to that at some point. But what do you do? What's, what's the correct method let me ask you this way. If you, if you start with the New Testament passage and you stay in the New Testament passage, then you go back to the Old Testament. Do you think that leads to one interpretation, but it would be a different interpretation if you set aside the New Testament, went back, studied the Old Testament, then came to the New Testament? Do you think it, that it impacts your interpretation in any way, shape, or form? What do you think? See, Bible study exercise. Remember, I'm not here to just give you answers. I'm here to get you actually, I'm trying to equip you to become the best Bible students there ever have been on the face of the earth. I, I just noticed that this week. I, I, I was hoping, I was waiting, I waited till Saturday because I was wanting someone to email me going, hey, do you think there's any significance in the kind of change of order? One starts, last week we started in Deuteronomy 8, then we went to Matthew 4. This week they started in uh, Matthew 4 and then re- went back to Deuteronomy 6. Do you think the order matters? Nobody asked me that question. I'm so disappointed. That means all of you lose 50 points. Right, you're you're already fifty points down. You're 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 going the wrong direction. You're gonna have you're gonna have to make it up somehow. I don't know, but you're 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 all you're all in bad shape. Now you may not think it matters. You may like who cares? Start in Matthew four. Go to Deuteronomy six. It's irrelevant. I'm but I'm I'm ch- I know you may think that, but I'm asking you. What, what do you, what's your typical way? I think the typical way in most churches is that they, if they see that there's an Old Testament citation, they just kind of flip over there and just read it. May mention a couple of things and then immediately jump back to the New Testament. But I think that, that, that's a, to me, that's a, a hermeneutical road sign that says, stop what you're doing. Stop, 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 stop. Come on, completely pull over. Don't keep driving. Don't keep driving, looking down at your phone, trying to find the next song to play. Literally pull over and stop. Find a rest stop, pull over, get out of the car and go spend at least 
an hour or two going to that Old Testament passage and literally reading it and understanding it in its full historical and literary context. Then you can get back in the car and continue on in your study of whatever New Testament book or passage you're studying. Do you treat it as a as a road sign that says, pull over, get out of the car? Or do you see it as just, hey, just remember, they're making a reference to that passage back there. Just flip over there real quick. So most, most pastors will flip over and read it, may make a comment here or there about it, and then immediately they're back to the Gospel of John or immediately back to wherever. See, this is where he's, this is where he's quoting from. I've been guilty of doing that. I'm, I'm not sitting here in judgment. I'm saying that I've been guilty of it. Now I don't think I would do that. Now I'd be like, no, 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 no. I don't care. I don't care. You say, well, you're delaying your study in that particular book. Who cares? So I think personally, we should start in Deuteronomy 6, then move to Matthew 4, not go from Matthew 4 back to Deuteronomy. That's my own personal feelings. Does it matter? That is what I want you to work on. That's what I want you to consider. Now, if we just go to Deuteronomy and we just read the passage that they want us to read, they want us to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Now, remember, I told you Deuteronomy 6, I told you just... Do the whole chapter. And I told you, remember, I, I, I've been trying to say that. I've been trying to draw the distinction. I, I've been telling the people in my church, hey, just look at the, the passage the curriculum gives. But for the people particip- participating actually in the Bible study exercise, do the whole chapter, right? So for those who participate in the Bible study exercise, I always give you a little more to do because you're the ones participating. I, 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 I view you differently than those who just like, well, I'm not going to do anything. Uh, then, then you know what? Then we'll just look at what the curriculum gives us. But I think for everyone else, you get the fuller context. And remember, whenever you're supposed to have been living in the passage all week, but if we just start with where the curriculum says, it says this, Deuteronomy 6, 16, you shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him and Massa. Now stop right there. Immediately now they're making a reference to something else. Now, interesting, if Matthew 4 takes you to Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, is taking you where? Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, is taking you where? Massa was the location in Exodus 17, where the people quarreled with Moses. So now here's the question. If you're reading Matthew 4, you end up in Deuteronomy 6. And if you end up in Deuteronomy 6, you go back to Exodus chapter 17. So where should we actually be today? How many, how many who've been working on the study, did you go spend considerable time in Exodus 17? Or did you just make a reference to it and move on? Did you literally stop, get out of your car and go, oh, wait, 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 wait. I've got, this is sending me further back. Or did you just kind of look over at Exodus 17 briefly and I went right back to Deuteronomy 6 and then immediately went back to Matthew 4? Matthew 4 leads you to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 leads you to Exodus 17. What did you do? What was your approach? If I was to ask you five questions now on Exodus 17, could you pass it? And if you, and if you did not understand Exodus 17 fully... Did that impact how you understand Deuteronomy 6? And did that impact how you understand Matthew 4? You see, now, 
Now, now we've got some really important principles here. I'm tapping, I'm tapping the desk, like I'm putting dots on a piece of page, like a paper, and we got to connect all the dots. So Exodus 17, if that is correct, Exodus 17, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandments of the Lord and pitched and Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Now, First, are we sure that Exodus 17 is the correct place thing that's being referenced in Deuteronomy 6? We need to verify that. And then I, I don't know what how much work you've done on Exodus 17, but today you need to spend your you need to spend the day in Exodus 17. I just need you to go live in Exodus 17 for a little bit. I need you to go spend some time in Exodus chapter 17. So personally, what I think I may do tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church is we may spend the time, we may spend the first hour in Exodus 17. Then we may move to Deuteronomy 6, Sunday morning worship, and then we may make our way to Matthew 4, Sunday evening. Would that not be the correct order? Or do we just go stay in Matthew 4 and just make references briefly back to these sections? I'd love to get your thoughts. So today, I want three reasons. Why context, context, context doesn't actually lead to clarity and unity. It seems to lead to people being confounded, confused, and conflict. I want three reasons. And then I want you to just tell me, does order matter? How do you typically approach? How does your church approach it? Hey, you're studying John. Oh, wait, John is referencing this. They go read it really quick and they go back. They don't actually stop and go spend an entire sermon on the Old Testament passage that's being referenced. Do you think that impacts interpretation? And then Exodus 17, 17, 17. That's where I really think you need to end up. If you've done the work this week, I want to know how much work you did on Exodus 17. Come on, show me. Come on, I want to see your notes. Show me. Just be honest. Just be honest. And then ask yourself, was that a smart hermeneutical decision or an unwise hermeneutical decision? And if it was an unwise, you should go ahead and subtract another 50 points. That means you're down to a zero. Man, you've got a lot to do. You've got to make all this up in one day. I don't know what we're going to do. See, if I was, if I was uh, in seminary and I'd given this as an assignment to my seminary students, I would have been, everyone would be failing my class today. I can hear people going, oh, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to do it however I want, and I'm not using pencil. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Oh, okay. There's, I, I want to I start doing some teaching right here. Now I'm a little excited. Now I'm kind of fired up. Now I want to do a little bit of teaching, but I'm not. I'm just going to kind of leave it all right there. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. Okay. All right. We're going we're tomorrow. I, I, I need to introduce the next, next week's study, but I don't want to, because I think we have tomorrow's going to be a, hopefully a good day of study. Hopefully tomorrow's going to be a good day of study. I'd love to get your thoughts on everything. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right. 
Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's where we are in our Bible study exercise this week. We got, this is session three, so we have a minimum of three more sessions. Uh, we may we may add a fourth one on this study of temptation. I think we've covered a lot of very valuable ground. Please go back and listen to all the episodes. And remember, your questions, your struggles, your doubts, your confusion, email them to me, newsif at yahoo.com. I mean, it, it, it's got to be, I mean, you should, I hope you see the value that in these Bible study exercises, you have access to ask questions 24-7 and literally get them answered, most likely in an in-depth live broadcast. Hopefully, you want, and you get curriculum and you get the additional, we got the PDF file on temptation that I want you to be reading and asking questions about. Hopefully, you see, we do a lot of work to try to get you as much, uh, res- as many resources as possible to benefit you in your study of God's word. All right. I look forward to hearing from everyone. I, I, I'm going to go. I, I want to check my email right now live on the air and see like there's 15 emails, but I'm afraid I'm going to see zero and then I'm going to be discouraged and disappointed. So I'll wait till my dis- discouragement and disappointment happens when that broadcast is over instead of doing it live on the air. All right, there you go. It's Saturday. Enjoy God's word. And then tomorrow, hopefully if you're not at church tomorrow, listen to Victory Baptist Church. We'll start streaming around 10 a.m. And then we'll start again at around 11, 15 a.m. And then if everything works out, 6 p.m. tomorrow night. And it's going to be, well, obviously, you know where we're going. We're going to be Exodus 17, Deuteronomy 6, and Matthew 4. Please participate. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.